side of red or switch they die Rob of the dog who loud his motorbike Looking for legends on the sunset strip With a stone cold paranormal partnership Metro Town Rick tried to sell me some crack Listen to the podcast man and take that shit back It's a legends Podcast about Hello and welcome to this week's Urbane Legends, the podcast about urban legends, which is the largest on the internet by volume. Hmm, that's a useful metric. Uh, I am one of your hosts, the main host, top host, Chris oh, Flynn, okay. and uh, with me is uh, some other guy called... Uh, I don't know, I can't remember his name, is it Neil Herbert? Something like that. It's Tony like Matt, is it? Doesn't matter, no. Uh, no as long as you've got your top host, your number one, top of the tree, your triple A host, Chris Flynn. Just let you uh, do the talk on this one, Chris. Oh, wouldn't be much different to normal. How are you true. doing? How are you doing, Neil? Have you been enjoying our thunderstorms? We've been having a few thunderstorms, haven't We've we? Been I some like thunderstorms. It. Actually, I was in the uh, I was in the office the other day. There was some. Oh, that was when it was really probably going off on one. Really? Did you? Um, as soon as the lightning started, did you quickly strip off your top, grab your guitar, and rock out on the roof of your uh, office building? If only. You no, didn't sat and discuss target operating models. Epic thunderstorms happening. It's not very rock and roll, is it? Target no, operating gone, models. I've gone middle aged. Um, yeah, back in my 20s, though. Would you have done it in your 20s? No. No. Absolutely not. I've never rocked out in a thunderstorm. Dangerous, Chris. Electrical what? equipment and thunderstorms. Yeah. I mean, you're, a little, you're like a fucking little Lord Byron. and you'd be straight out there. Of course I would, yeah. Jaggering yeah, it. Yeah, jaggering it up at the front. Yep. Yeah. Pe- peacocking. Come and uh, get me like clapping my, clapping my hands. Chance would be a fine thing, you'd say. God, I remember... Um... <laughs> one of the most insulting things that Graham's ever said to me. Graham is a friend of ours who we've yeah, yeah. been in with, bands yeah. with and worked with and stuff. Yeah. Um, was he said that as a front man, I reminded him of Fred Durst and then I punched him, punched his head clean off. <laughs> I thought you were going to say like Mick Jagger and you're pissed off. No, there'd be no, nothing wrong with that. But, um, I think because of my physical, because of my physical size, maybe. But like, I can't really do look like Mick Jagger because I'm not, I'm not waif like. That was almost certainly intended to be a compliment. Of course it was. Way. Still didn't stop me knocking his head off, clean off his shoulders. And, yeah, um, I don't know. He's just kind of like a bit, you know, chunky and shouty, you know, Fred Dest. Well, I think I, I could never stand like I could never stand the metal or limp biscuit. Fair enough to you if you like that. That was fine. It was just I, you, you know. When I was a teenager, I was into sort of thrash and uh, death metal and things like this. But, you um, you saw the band Reef, uh, um, the Pressure Points, didn't you? Which used to be a live music venue in Brighton, which doesn't exist anymore, like all of them. Yeah, um, I can't remember where I saw Reef. Yeah, they, did, the they did yeah. the song, put your hands up, put your hands up. Yeah. And um, you said that everyone in the crowd, because you're all cool, cool thrash guys, you all sat on the floor. When well, it, it was, was a mixture, it was a mixture of different people. This is when they were very, very early on. I think yeah. they might have done the Sony advert at that point, but they, they weren't. No, they wouldn't have been playing the pressure right. point. You'd be well. You, I can't remember, mm-hmm. but I think it was with the, the mini discover. But because, um, yeah, it was just the tune and stuff. But no, I mean that was a good, good enough tune. But no, it just I don't know the the the, the singer was. It just came across as a bit unsuffer on stage, and I think it was, well, like, it was quite sparsely into. Yeah, that's true. You, so you think that of all singers attended, but no, it's that whole thing. He's you think that of everyone who isn't a guitarist? Yeah, that's true. Because um, it's, it's <laughs> accurate. But no, it was. Um, I can't. I can't remember now. Um, I don't want to cast aspersions. Probably we were all snotty teenagers, but I just I vaguely have a recollection that um, you know it's that one of those things where you're putting up that many people at your gig. 
they're not getting into it as much as you'd like. And um, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't just, you know, one particular crowd of people down there. It was kind of like, a, a, you know, a decent selection of people into rock music. Um, but they, yeah, I mean, obviously that's, we didn't, we never heard of them at that point. I just remember them mm. afterwards. And, um, you know, there are other, well, it was just, a, you know, punk rock was quite big at the time. I guess a lot of people were probably aping the Red Hot Chili Peppers or something. I yeah. don't know, but it was, you know, punk rock and punk metal were quite big at the time. Um, so you'd heard, you know, it wasn't something that was that that fresh, I guess. But, I mean, that's like, to be fair, put your hands up, whatever it's called, it's, it's a decent enough tune. Um, yeah, but anyway, so he was, it was that whole kind of thing where he starts having a go at the audience, like, oh, get up, and some new, blah, blah. Um, but, you know, with a bit of an annoyance and stuff. So, yeah, yeah, everyone just sat down on the floor to be obnoxious. Yeah. And um, another tale from... Was kind of amusing. Another tale from the pressure point is, didn't you used to... Because this was before I started going there. I don't think um, that was the pressure point, because that was the Richmond, isn't it? Yeah. Or was same, the Richmond? Same thing. I, I played them, yeah, quite a bit when it was the Richmond, but... Um, it became no, I don't, pressure I don't point. think that was where I saw Reef. I can't remember where I saw them there. Well, you, that's yeah. what you told me, but then this story you told me probably 10 years ago. Um, yeah, I can't remember. And you used to uh, all line up by the side of the stage and then go up and take turns stage diving. Is that something yeah. that used to happen? <laughs> yeah, this is the thing that <laughs> Like queue up like you're at Alton Towers. <laughs> yeah, well, with stage diving, you've got to be very prepared. You've got to have someone to catch you. There's not, it's just not like a completely packed venue. And if it's going to be... So what was it, like six sort of, people and you'd kind of... No, like, carry, like carrying a coffin? No, you see, I did... <laughs> I did, well, I saw two things like that once. I, I don't think I've ever said this on the podcast before. But one was, yeah, literally, it was just like about 10 people who were into this. So it was just like, you know, why you can people to sort of catch it. It's not really crowd surfing. Um, it's more like um, it's more like a corporate trust fall at that point, isn't it? Yeah, it's pretty much. Because, <laughs> um, if you know, if you're in like a, a big gig or whatever, you just, mm. like people have got no choice. They're going to have to catch you whether they like it or not. So you sort of try and give them a bit of fair warning. Um, well, like I did Telegraph anyway. it. Yeah. Um, Here I come. This is where I'm coming, sort of thing. Yeah, you get your hands up, so the trousers off, boys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a slippery one coming through. Um, yeah, I'm coming yeah, like a greased pig. But, but yeah, the one I remember that was just really funny was uh, one of these sort of rock places where it was, it was it was a reasonably sized venue, and there was only about. I mean, you still get like thirty or forty people in there, but mm. you know, you're looking at needing sort of two hundred for it to be rammed to the point yeah. where people are going to have to catch it. Um, yeah, and they, they kind of tried to do a stage dive and it turned into a jump off the stage at the last minute. But the, the great thing was... Well, no, I think they just because they realised nobody was going to catch them. So um, they could quickly change position and just sort of jumped off the stage. Yeah, and, and then just kind of like um, tried to walk off looking really cool. Yeah. That's what just you like got strutting their step like, yeah, that was what I intended to do. Yeah, jump off the stage. Yeah. Scare the crowds. I checked that someone was going to catch Boom. them. That's what you got to do. Yeah, I don't... Uh, yeah, I don't think that any gigs we ever did I, I felt like anyone would catch me or that it would be fair to me to impose my monolith of a body onto <laughs> to, yeah, onto the audience yeah. onto the audience really yeah. um, I never I, no, never, felt, really, I, I never felt like they liked us enough really I thought they'd probably just let me die I don't know there's that um, Irish pub in North London <laughs> that guy looked up from his phone briefly <laughs> That was the best thing ever. He spent his whole time. This is the insulting thing. It's like, so we played, what was it called? Tommy Flynn's or something? Anyway, um, well, remember there was a guy with two leather jackets on, which I thought was quite good. Yeah. Um, we got chatted outside. Yeah. You might, you know, you want to be warm. Um, but yeah, just this one guy just, just on his phone the whole time. Just fair style. enough. Yeah. Um, but like, standing up at the stage and then just staring at your phone. Hmm. Not knowing like he was filming us or anything, just because he just like better things to do, basically. But then I yeah. just remember there was one one bit where he looked up and sort of like nodded and then sort of straight right, back to the phone again. <laughs> Bored instantly. <laughs> I talk, talk, talk this made it worse. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's quite good. Yeah, not not sure about that though. Yeah. Anyway, but I've got I've got I've back to putting some bets on. Um yeah, no, that was that was our second emptiest gig, that's for sure. Um but hey, Neil, can't go back. <laughs> no, that's that's probably why we don't do. Yes, yeah, so I don't rock out in thunderstorms anymore. Not that I ever did. Uh, but hey, so... uh-huh. no, no, go for it. No, I was gonna say, um, yeah, can't go back. Um, so uh, you've got, have you got a story to tell us today, Mister Neil? 
Mr. Neil. Sorry, man. Yeah, I have actually. Um, so I'm going to talk to you today about the Beast of Gevaldan. Beast of Gevaldan. Gevaldan, I think I'm assuming is how you uh, pronounce that. Um, is that, is that foreign? It's a historic region of France. It's foreign, it's from France, isn't it? Oh, okay. That, Lorraine Boisson, the most foreign. Yeah, well, I thought I did actually have a look for sort of like French urban myths. So I thought, well, let's have a. Oh, here we go. Let's have Frank a Francophile Herbert. Yeah, and um, yeah, I like a bit of France. And um, this is what I remember. So those of you who might have, um... oh, we're gonna have to, we're gonna have to say something else first, Chris. Sorry, before, okay. I, before I dive into this, like a stage diver, ill prepared like, on the stage. <laughs> Um, on your face, yeah. <laughs> uh, did you finish Highlander? You mentioned no. maybe a couple of weeks ago. No, I didn't. No, no. sorry. Okay. So I have been. What, as you know, Neil, I'm quite a TV aficionado. <laughs> yes. It's uh, going to be about Pele again. It might might show up. Might not. Yeah. I've been watching um, a show called uh, Seal Team. Ooh, right, and it's butch. yeah, it's got David Boreanaz who played the um, paedophile vampire in Buffy. Um, that's the first it. bit being a plot point, but yeah, I think she was quite young. Presumably. Well, she was well, 16 and he was 500. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, that's breaking maybe, the maybe by two and plus seven. Really, <laughs> at least. Maybe, maybe it's fine in some states, I don't know, but um. Yeah, I mean, maybe maybe it wasn't technically illegal. Technically, yeah, um, so what it is, SEAL Team, it's about um, a soccer team made up of seals. seals. Yep. Um, but so so the so the actors they they are playing it as seals. They're playing it like straight as as sort of anthropomorphic seals, but they just kind of have um, like mascot costumes on but it but they're meant to be real seals do you see what i mean so they're not so yeah. so they're, they're meant to be the creature they're not meant to be a man in a costume but yeah. the costumes which they wear it's quite um it's quite they're realistic like, no no they're like mascot like mascots kind of fluffy oh like, very stylized yeah 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 but um so they've got that and david Boreanaz plays their um it's kind of like he's their coach and he's um, he's is like he a, a seal or is he like no? A he's a misanthropic octopus. Oh, okay, yeah. And I was reading up about it, and the, and they based the character on Brian Clough. Oh, nice. Yeah, that's a I, that's that's a deep one pull for the Americans, isn't it? Because Clough's quite, I mean, probably not as well known with a lot of UK football fans of these days. He's sort of fading into memory, but uh, but he was a lot kind of larger in life character, sort of that you know. So they thought, well, we can base it on that. Based the character on that, and they play in they play in like a world soccer league. For, Is there an uh, elephant for, that's like a Peter Taylor figure? No, no, there isn't. There, there is. Uh, so isn't Cluffy without Taylor, in my opinion. But there you go. Oh no, there is a there is a Taylor character, but oh, he's okay. a, but he's a starfish. Oh right, yeah, fair enough. And he's, he was he's, a goalkeeper, wasn't he? So that's that's good. Yeah, and he scouts scouts new seals for the seal team. So, and and sort of what what it's about is so all of the different teams so yeah. like this they um they they basically kind of have like one kind of animal playing for them but then because he's like uh outside the box thinker he does like Dave Boreanaz's character the Clough character decides that he's going to sign like a different species going to sign um a giraffe right yeah, and play for the team because he thinks right that that would do really well, and then it's all about like uh, the the sort of histrionics and all of that kind of stuff, and it's kind of a lot of it's quite like about about racism and that kind of stuff. Um, it's really good. I mean, it, it like it's got a lot to teach. Is this like it, a kids show? Or? No, 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 no. No, there's a lot of there's a lot very, of fun on new day. There's a lot of nudity. There's a lot of very visceral kinetic violence. Yeah. And the seal hunters come in and start culling the pack. No, not yet. But oh, right, okay. nothing like that. No, there are no there are no humans in it. Okay, it's all animal based. Yet. Yeah, it's all animal based. Um but yeah, just got through the first series. They've um 
they've signed the giraffe, but the ultras don't like it. And oh, okay. so, um, yeah, and uh, and there's been a terrorist threat on the stadium. So we'll we'll see where it goes. Um, but you know, for considering it's a, a David Boreana's sort of vehicle, uh, I've been quite impressed with it so far. Apparently, it's based on a series of um, young adult novels that was written by Pele back in the eighties. So uh, yeah, so that's probably why it's got quite you know quite gritty. Quite yeah. you know it's got. Well, a, you know. He knows from the favelas, doesn't he? So. He does know from the favelas, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff about erectile dysfunction in it as well, which yeah. is good for me because I personally am suffering with that. So yeah. it's nice to be able to read it, <laughs> read it on the page. And, um, you know, no, no, I'm not alone. So that's, that's always good. A good place to be. So, yeah. Um, so, no, that, that I've been watching that. I got hooked on that, so I didn't get to see Highlander, unfortunately. Ah, uh, okay. Well, never mind. It, it's, it's been there since 84 or whatever, or 86. So, uh, hey, it ain't, it ain't going nowhere. It ain't going nowhere. You know, Lambert ain't going nowhere. Mind you, the way physical media's dying out and uh, streaming services seemingly don't want to actually put anything on their streaming services anymore. Yeah, no. It might not be. Don't bother doing that. I was reading that one the other day. I don't get into this too much, but um, no, do <laughs> some something on Disney or whatever, and it's just like it's this idea now where they're cancelling stuff before it even comes out. I don't get the business model there. So they they done it was another young adult thing. Um, can't remember what it's called. I think it was Spiderwick Chronicles or something. Mm. Um, they, they did a movie out of it about fifteen years ago. Yeah, it was crap. Um, but anyway, they decided yeah. to do a TV wasn't written by series, Pelé, was it? And rather than release, where well, yeah, you should have had Pelé involved. But rather than uh, release it, I'll just cancel it before it actually starts. Really? So they didn't even bother showing it? No. Well, they did that with that Batgirl movie, didn't they? Too much controversy. Um, I was axed it because they thought it would be a tax write-off. I don't know, it was a tax write-off or something. Although pretty much everything in film industry yeah. seems to be tax write-offs. Um, I was quite pissed off that they've cancelled American Gods. Oh, have they? So yeah, they're trying to find... Yeah, I kind of got bored of it, I must confess. But, I, yeah, it'd be nice. They're trying to finish. find a way to maybe do, like, a film or something to kind of finish it off like they did with... Um, Deadwood. Uh, Deadwood, yeah. Yeah. So they're trying to... Yeah, anything, anything Ian McShane's in gets cancelled and they have to do a film to tie it up. Basically, that's how that's it works. It's what, happened, it's what happened with Lovejoy as well. But this thing is, I've read the book years ago, mm. and it's not... I mean, there was a sequel as well, um, but... I yeah, they kind of like they spent ages trying to get it. It's not that long a book, to be honest with you. So they could have gotten through it in about two or three series. But it's but a yeah. good, pre- but it's a good premise. Oh, it was a great oh, premise. I thought it was really well done, and I quite like the first. Because the thing is, I think the first one, it, I can't remember the guy's name, might be Brian Fuller or whatever. But I think he's one of these. He quite often has gets kicked off of TV shows because he was the first showrunner. Yeah. Um, and I think that that was a good series. I thought that was, oh, well, that was a good season or whatever you call it. Um, but yeah, it's the second one. I don't know. It's, it, Second, third, I don't know. It's, it seems to sort of like be spinning its wheels a little bit. Yeah. I know. I enjoyed it. I like. I really liked. Yeah. It was stylistically, it was great as well. Like the direction. Yeah, no, I, think, I mean, to be fair, I, I think it might be one of those ones where I just. I think it's because I because I'd read the book. I was kind of like, oh, when are we going to get to this bit? Kind of thing was probably where my head was at. But no, but I they kind of like a lot of it. Like Mad Sweeney was quite cool and. But they kind of finished it on like a massive cliffhanger, and then they went nah, cancelling it. It's like you can't really do that. <laughs> Yeah, you know there was, there was the like it's starting to fuck me off that they're doing that. Like they'll, they'll like, like if you're going to cancel it, then decide at the start of the series and then they can wrap it up. Do you know what I mean, don't cancel it on a fucking cliffhanger. Like that's just cunty, frankly. Oh yeah, I mean this is happening all the time. But again, this is because it used to be the thing with you know with Netflix, they'd be picking up stuff and renewing it and all the rest of it. But yeah, they did that. And it was there was a TV show called Dark, which I really liked, and they got three seasons out of it. and It wrapped up properly. It was really good. So the new ones came out and it got cancelled off the end of the first season, like about sort of you know two weeks after they'd released it, and it's just kind of like, yeah, they're going apparently the cliffhanger. So I'm like, well, I'm not going to bother watching it then because what's the point? No. You know, I don't, and I don't always get around to watching everything on week one. So yeah, but yeah, I think I think they're all struggling for money now. So it's kind of like, Ow. no, they're not struggling for money. They're they're struggling. No, no most for... of these are actually losing well, they're money. losing money. Yeah, they're I, I do I cannot fathom it, mate. I don't get how. Well, I mean, like considering it's, con- it's content you want. Well, I think what it is is because they have to. Well, 
Well, considering like the, the the chief execs at like Netflix pay themselves like thirty million quid a year, do you know what I mean? Like, oh yeah, well that's the, well, this is the thing as well, though, isn't it? Because are um, they shareholders? Presumably, are they shareholders? Want... Yeah, but... yeah. Well, then they're not losing like they're they're, they're taking money out of the organisation. Yeah, over the out of the broader organisation. Yeah, mm. absolutely. But you know the, the thing. Well, supposing you never know. It's like the famous thing with Hollywood accounting, where they're always saying, you know, you never never ever get anything. Um, that we need to get points on the back end or whatever, always make sure you get them on the gross and not on the net, because then supposedly, even ridiculously, like, you know, the big Star Wars films haven't yeah. officially made a profit. Yeah, yeah, it's everything's done, you know, it's very, very shady. They're kind of like, um, yeah, I don't know, I can't, I don't, if I was like, if I understood it, I suppose I'd be earning that the big bucks to uh, do the things. Anyway, sorry, we've gone into Hollywood accounting now, so that's we should probably get back to the... Uh... No, if you want to hear more about that, then we'll be starting up a Hollywood accounting podcast very soon, so watch yeah, the space. actually remember what the what the, uh, the scam is. But, yeah, so that's how they get away with it. It's quite interesting for me, but uh, anyway, I think a lot of people don't like the glamour, so they don't, you know, they're not going to chase the tax. Anyway, right, so this is from the Smithsonian magazine. That's and what, nice... Can you remind us again what it's called? <laughs> yeah, well... You're going to find out the title. When okay. the Beast of Givaudan terrorised France. The Beast of Givaudan. The Beast of Givaudan. I think that's how you pronounce the, the name. It's, it's not a... I don't think the village is called that anymore. Well, because of all There'll the stuff that happened. Attempting to pronounce French words here. So, um, But yeah, this is... So this is... Um, Rather you than me. Yeah. So this is this is kind of like a basis. I mean, there's, there's a lot of genuine attacks and stuff here. So this okay. is... A, yeah, a former province that's in the modern day department of Lozère and part of Haute Loire. Um, it's in south central France, and this all happened between. Oh, that south central is always where like the 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 gun crime and stuff happens, yeah, isn't it? In every yeah. city. Yeah, in, in, no matter where, especially in the eighteenth century. Eighteenth century south central. A lot of France uh, you know, musketry going off willy nilly. Got gangs. But yeah, so there's, you know, um, it was this kind of like wolf type creature, and it, some people thought it would be a, it was a lion or a striped hyena. Okay. Or a, well, this is looking at um, Wikipedia, and the, the description of the period identified the beast as an adolescent male lion, a striped hyena, but possibly, though unlikely, a large wolf dog or wolf dog hybrid. Could it have been a liger if it was striped? I was looking up um, hyenas as well, because for some reason I, I was thinking of them as like being sort of dog size or yeah, like they're small not very big. Size. No, they'd be up to five foot. They're pretty striped hyena. Bigger yeah, than but nose to tip of tail, the five foot's not no, no, much. No, no, not tail. Like, um, or height. Like five foot and sort of like, uh, no, no, five foot in length without the, sort of pretty much without the tail. Um, and they, they were sort of going up to about 200 pounds. So they're pretty, they're chunkier than you think. I'm heavier than that. Yeah, Probably. I'm sure you are, I'm sure, you know, but... Because <laughs> you, know, you thought hyenas are actually quite dangerous, but, um, and you think, oh, they're only... Quite small, aren't they? They've got very powerful jaws, I understand. But um, yeah, yeah, no, anyway, they're so, actually quite—they're like a big dog. They're actually quite a lot bigger. Yeah, maybe there are different types of hyena. But I was thought of—I don't know if I've seen in cartoons or something—as being kind of like, like sort of cat or small dog size. Like, uh, anyway. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because you can—I you know, mean, you say dog, like a fox or something. Rhodesia Ridgeback is like you know, yeah, huge. Or that's like, I remember there's like a Japanese breed, isn't there? That's like you know. Six foot or something ridiculous, but um, you know, they can get on their hind legs and sort of tap their shoulders, but uh, yeah, 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 and can dance with them, you know, versus the chihuahua, which is you know, there's dogs a broad spectrum in terms of size, they um, are anyway, right, right, that beast of Givaudan. The monster's first victim was Jeanne Boulet, a 14 year old girl watching her sheep. Her death was followed by others, almost exclusively women and children. Right, easy targets. Yeah. Although you think as well how many of them were doing the kind of rural labouring and stuff like that. I, I don't know. Oh, um, unless it, it might have been an incel. That's true as well. Could, be. could have been, couldn't it? Yeah. Early, early, uh, early, yeah. early wolf ahead of, incel. Ahead of their time in the worst possible way. Yeah. <laughs> just, just maybe don't ever be of any time. That'd be good. Um, so throughout nine, um, 1764, excuse me, the brutal attacks, victims with their throats torn out or heads gnawed off. Riveted heads gnawed off. Yeah. So Riveted. Got... Oh, I'm... have you heard about uh, what is going on in South Central? Uh, there has been uh, 
people with their heads gnarled off. I'm riveted. So, yeah. So. There you go. That's but um, for anyone who can't understand French, I just um, I just repeated what Neil said, but in yeah, French. Trying to be accurate to depiction of a uh, 18th hello, century hello. South. Um, <laughs> character, the yeah. character from Hello, Hello. Hello, Hello, yeah. <laughs> I just says this, I live on. Um, yeah, so the violence was so shocking, news had travelled from the countryside all the way to the royal palace in Versailles. Who oh. is this beast of Givaudan and who could stop its Who is this beast of Givaudan? said Louis the Fifteenth. Seek me, seek me. In the in the in the hallway of light. So yeah, it's um you know this is this is a bit of a soap up the whole of France. There's you know it's it's happening in one specific area, but everyone's kind of like uh, getting into it. Um, getting into it. Yeah, yeah, getting the t-shirts. We didn't have football back in those days, or like the internet or anything. So so just get into yeah. it. Oh, of, bit of, bit of I wonder what has happened in Kivudan today. But it's good because you, 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 as you'll learn, some some of the victims like uh, managed to fight back. So it's it's not it's not a one way. Oh, have you seen the newspaper? Uh, I hope another small child has had his head knocked <laughs> off. Oh, I must. Oh, I'm so bored. I must be riveted by something. Written in one of the. So Gifford a region in southern France, in modern day Lozère, apparently, was just as mysterious yes, yeah. as monster. Yeah, I don't know where Los Aires, but uh, the South Central, mate. Yeah, that's true. Um, it had the reputation for being a remote, 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 isolated backwater where the forces Uh-oh. of nature had not been fully tamed, where Whoa. the forests were indeed enchanted. Don't want to be going down there to give us air. Are you going down Los Aires? No. Don't go. You don't want to be going down there. Give all that. For the no. forests are enchanted. Misty we, forests, eh? we ain't got no time for your just... Christian nonsense. We still, we still abide by the old gods. You better beware. Don't they give it air. Well done. Shut so, up. So says, so says <laughs> J.M. Smith, a historian and author of Monsters of the Giverdown, The Making of a Beast. It's fascinating. It's powerful. It's scary. It's sublime. It's sassy. It's yeah, current. It's <laughs> current. It's I mean, gorgeous. He's, he's trying to sort of push and it's here to stay. Down. So yeah, let's all go. Let's all go. It's back a new black. A... I bet the food's good there. Mm. So it was a perfect place. Uh, it's probably for... all Toulouse sausages and that, isn't it? That's all right. I like a bit of Toulouse sausage. Um, it's a bit rough in it. Maybe a bit of cassoulet in southern France. Um, it's a bit organy. We had a we had a nice we had a nice sausage trio the other night, didn't we? Certainly um, did. Uh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, one for no, each a, day. No, it was a it was a good uh, was it at an Argentine, Argentine. Argentinian restaurant? Yeah, mm. yeah, Argentinian black pudding, very nice. Mm. You yeah, know, I, I would recommend if I could if I could pronounce the name. Well, they're doing well enough, and they're not going to yeah. give us anything. So that's true. So. Fuck them. But yeah, Argentinian wrestling in Brighton, you can probably figure it out. Um, it was the perfect place for a grim like fairy tale starring a possibly supernatural creature. With the villagers under attack, reality was more brutal than any book. In three years' time, the beast racked up nearly 300 victims, and its legacy lasted long beyond the 18th century. 300? 303 years. It's not too shabby, is it? Fuck me, that's a lot. That's you like can tell one hour, everyone was kind of like, yeah. Oh, yeah, one every three days. Yeah. Or did it do like, did it do multi, multi ones, or was it always individuals? It sounds like it was more kind of like individuals. So I think it was trying to sort of pick off. I don't know. They would have, um, and they, we'll get to it, but they start sending hunters and stuff after it. Um, well, in fact, one of them reckon, reckons he's caught it, but we'll, we'll come to that. There we go. So France of 1764 was in a miserable condition. Mm-hmm. The Seven Years' War had ended a year earlier, with France suffering numerous defeats at the hands of the British and the Prussians. <laughs> the King, Louis XV... No XVI, surprise there, Neil. <laughs> you think also... they'd learn their lesson? <laughs> it was, Only joking. They do a lot of warring with the French, didn't they? Well, they start, to, be, to be fair, they started it. That's true, yeah. 1066. Yeah. And also... 
You see, there's this whole thing about oh, Britain and France always fighting, but sort of it isn't because the lineage of the British monarchy is they were they were French nobles, so it's yeah. just it's just French yeah. nobles versus French nobles, but using British poor people, yeah. essentially. That's what they're doing it. Yeah, go and get killed. Lovely. What else are you going to do? Go and till the fields. Yeah. Fuck that. Rather well, go and get killed. For the royal court, who will speak French. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's a... You see, so I've got... So I was thinking about this the other day, and I've not looked into it, but... Uh, so therefore, pff, normal. Yeah. But, um, so... The Normans, who were the French households, the lineage who invaded... Well, it wasn't the... truly France at that point, I don't think. No, not, no, so, not the same yeah. way. But they were the descendants of Vikings. Yeah. Because the Vikings had gone and taken a big chunk of France. Yeah, and then like that became of Normandy or whatever. And it yeah. became Normandy. And then so I'm so it's all of so it's basically the problems that Britain and France has, like obviously neighbours, but like all of this fighting and stuff. Really, it's all kind of down to the fucking Vikings again, isn't it? Because they seem yeah. like I'd be interested to know, like across Europe, how many of the really sort of expansionists and aggressive Households like trace their lineage back to the fucking Vikings. Vikings yeah, I'd be interested to know because they because that just it seems to be it seems to be that's kind of where a lot of the trouble came from. Yeah, could be. Mm. It's interesting, isn't it? I might do that for my thesis. Good. Oh, hmm. Always blame the Vikings. Yep. Your thesis time. Yep. Yep. Thesis title: Why we should carpet bomb Scandinavia? Yeah, <laughs> time time for payback. Finally, time for payback. It's your uh, your thesis at GB News University. Mm-hmm. That's right. Like make the UK them, version of PragerU. Make them a crown dependency. Nice, lovely. Get all that lovely saved up oil money that Norway has. Beautiful. Mm. Get that in the pockets of our shareholders. Sure, that'll be fairly distributed amongst our populace. <laughs> I would have not thought so. Straight to them. No, nothing, nothing. There's nothing to suggest that that isn't what would happen constantly in our country. It's like this whole thing and people going on about going back to um, you know, digging out more North Sea um, oil and gas. It's like, but it just goes onto the market and just. Well, there's only else. enough. There's if we took all of the gas out of the North Sea, there's enough for one year's use for like that would keep our country going for one year. So it's like just fucking nonsense anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway. Anyway. Politics. Uh, Talking to which, politics, 18th century style. So Louis mm. XV, he's lost the bulk of his country's overseas empire, including Canada. Economic situation is dire. Country's in disarray. Do you know what I call Canada? Big, friendly Scotland. Yeah. It's kind of kind of true. Yeah. I presume you wouldn't want to tell the old um, Quebecois that, though. Whatever. The Frenchy bit of Canada. So, despite the carnage of the beast draw, it served as a perfect foe for a nation with something to prove. A country needed, of course, to rally around. <laughs> a violent dog. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. Yeah, that's more your measure, Louis. Yeah, pick a smaller battle. Yeah. Fair enough. The beast and its victims might have gone virtually unnoticed, if not for a burgeoning press. Because political news was mostly censored by the king, that's good, isn't it? Newspapers had to turn to other sources of information. That never happened again. Yeah, I was going to say. Yeah, it's not being censored by Rupert Murdoch these days. But uh, yeah, newspapers had to turn to other sources of information and entertainment to bolster subscriptions. Francois Morinet, Morinet, I don't know, um, creator editor of the uh, Courier d'Avignon, used a new type of reporting called uh, Fates Divers, so everyday stories, um, or stories of everyday incidents in small villages similar to today's true crime to tell the tale. True crime. Yeah, so there you go, he's ahead of his time. His reportage in particular transformed the beast from a backwater calamity into a national affair. Mm. So headcount rises in 1764. I mean, that's the... I mean, the thing is, which I'd say is it's not a small story if it's killing 300 people a year. I mean, no, the, no, the, agreed. The beast of Bodmin Moor is quite a national story in this country, and all it's done is eating yeah. some chickens, probably. Been in a couple of possible photos. <coughs> yeah, just so yeah. far away, it could be a cat or a leopard. You really got no idea. Whereas this is an actual, like, this is 
I mean, I mean, if it's true, like if he's not just like pumping well, up yeah, the figures. I mean, no, I mean to be fair, we'll go. Mm. We'll go. We'll go on to some sort of ideas about what it might be at the end. But um, but if it's killed, that'd be actually, really nice still. Really. So if it's killing, yeah. if it's killing someone every three days, then I would say that that probably is national news. Yeah, but bear in mind this is the first time that sort of. I mean, this is the very early sort of stages of the press, and it's you know they, obviously they're just trying to make some money. So, mm. but to be fair, it's a business like anything else. But um, yes, yeah, so, and you know can't talk about politics because the uh, you know, king king sense is really like yeah king. King Louis does something awesome again today. Oh, wonderful king. That's why we're all starving. <laughs> <laughs> but as the cake count rose, local officials and aristocrats took king action. King has hearty breakfast. Yeah. King has great idea for distracting populace. Let's start talking about beast of... Give or damn. Um, Etienne Lafont, a, lo- a regional government delegate, and Captain Jean-Baptiste Duhamel a leader of the local infantry, organised the first concerted attack. At one point, the number of volunteers rose to 30,000 men. 30,000? Yeah, all out hunting for this beast. They used them in the war, couldn't they? Yeah. Well, maybe they should have sent this, um, yeah, this big exactly. dog off to do some fighting. Yeah. There were men organised the men along military models, left poison bait, and even had some soldiers dress as peasant women in hopes of attracting the beast. Oh, this is a carry-on film, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We've got as well just underneath this is a sort of a picture of. Oh, um, hello, hello, darling. Um, don't know, you look lovely today. Would you like to maybe go out later? It's me, you idiot. I'm just dressed up. Oh, see, it's sorry. Didn't mm. realise you blithering idiot. <laughs> so the reward for killing the beast eventually <laughs> equaled a year's salary for working men. Writes historian Jean-Marc Morissou in La Bête de Gavignon. Which is uh, French. That's how much. Yeah. Yeah, I do like the idea of just like <laughs> just get your soldiers dressing up as peasant women. Bye. Yeah, Jean Baptiste, you're getting a bit too into this. <laughs> it's not going to be normal soldier service. I hope you have shaved your legs because the beast will know otherwise. Uh, yes, I have commander, and I'm wearing a sexy maid outfit too. <laughs> I feel like I should have been somebody, somebody dressed as one of the sexy waitresses. Oh, it almost like, certainly has. Must have done, must not it? Almost certainly, yeah. Shenanigans in shade. Yeah, like the really camp German commander, commandant, whatever. Yeah, what was his little tank? Yeah, yeah. I bet. I bet he did. Yeah. Almost certainly. So for men like Duhamel, the hunt was a way to redeem his... You must hide me, René. (laughs) The the commandant is after me. You must hide me. Uh, Well, maybe you can just uh, dress up as one of the waitresses. Oh, René. What ideas you have? (laughs) I'm into it. Oh, René, who is this new waitress you have? She's very beautiful. Hey, come here, sit on my lap, darling. (laughs) Did that come to them? Yeah, oh, yeah. Uh, that definitely that definitely happens. Definitely, we'll try and track down that episode. Um, I say, uh, is, she, is she free for the? Uh, is she free tonight, Tony? <laughs> oh, I, I don't know, Colonel. I don't think she's that kind of girl. Oh, I've gotten oh, myself into a... a sticky wicket here. <laughs> <laughs> if I don't let the governor sleep in the winters, <laughs> I close my curtains down and I go in front of the firing squad. But then if I do, I'll still be in trouble. Oh, I don't know what to do. What to do? <laughs> oh, dear. 70s British sitcoms. No, it wasn't 70s, sadly, was it? It was 80s. It was 80s. Fuck me, yeah. Then right. 70s all over it. You're um you're a very tactical man, Neil. So uh, you know, as you've proved with um, tactical computer games, grand strategy, that kind of thing. So yeah. what what would be your tactic if you were in charge of these thirty thousand men to find this um, beast? What'd you do? Arches on the hill, something like that. Yeah, arches on the hill, flank them. Yeah, find a river that you can so they can't get flanked yourself by the beast. Okay, and no, I'd spread them out in the long thin line and just try and like you know. Beat him out. Yeah, would you like an enclosing circle? Yeah. Hints of movement or something. I don't know. Okay. I imagine this is quite a big sort of countryside where yeah. it's, it's difficult to, um, you know, 
Yeah, I know how you're going to find it. It's like needing the haystack, isn't it? It's a... Uh, yeah. Yeah, you don't know where it's going to pop up, I suppose, either. Um, but, yeah, no, try and, try and, um, try and draw it out, I guess. Um, By dressing up as a woman. Yeah. Well, there you go. It's always, that's what it always comes down to. Always yeah, comes yeah. down to that. All, yeah. every single war. Yeah. Dress up as a man, dressed up as a sexy lady. Um, and then all of the other soldiers like do that thing with their eyes pop out like yes. in cartoons and their tongues like go and down like a carpet. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, and then they just run into the minefield normally. Yes. And that's, that's how you, that's how you break the lines. That's how it's done. That's how it's done. <laughs> Press also created popular stories out of the women and children who survived attacks by defending themselves, emphasising the virtue of the peasantry. That's quite good. It's quite forward-thinking of them. Mm. So, take Jacques a Portafat. The young boy and a group of children were out in a meadow with a herd of cattle on January the 12th, 1765, when the beast attacked. However, working together, they managed to scare it off with their bikes. With their bikes? With their pikes. Oh, pikes. Like poles with yeah, spears yeah, yeah. on it. I don't know why there was a lot of kids armed with pikes. But... <laughs> Still they were stealing cattle. Yeah, stealing cattle, presumably. <laughs> it's like the artful dodger and his mates. Just... But anyway, so he was, his courage was so admired, Louis XV paid a reward to all the children and had him educated at the king's house. <laughs> I thought you were say, and, and had him... Had him hung. Had him... <laughs> had him bronzed. Yeah. <laughs> and put, on, put in Versailles. Yeah, to amuse the court. Like, look at this brave child, let's... <laughs> This brave boy <laughs> had him dipped in bronze. And then there was uh, another one. This is the Marie Jean Vallée, talking to statues, who was attacked on the August the 11th and managed to defend herself and wound the beast, earning herself the title Maiden of Givardin and a statue. Ma- Maiden of Givardin. Yeah. Um, so she's got a statue. Um, in the in the village of uh, in the village of Overs in what proof France. is there that she uh, wounded the beast? I don't. I mean, her own her own word. I so suppose. it's a lie, then, isn't it? It's that easy to get statues put up. Yeah. Well, I mean, this is this is what they've got. So, all right. Just looking at the statue. So it's yeah, they've got a picture of a spear with a spear. Yeah. I don't know. Why have all the kids got spears? It seemed to be that it was like hula hoops at the time. Right. <laughs> it's the great new pointy sticks, the great new fun thing. They were like the fidget spinners of the day. Yeah. Again, they didn't have the internet. So, you know. Yeah. Don't go, don't go out without your pike. You know, no. Well, to be Boring. fair, yeah, I mean, if you're going to, you know, because I imagine, like, if there's wolf attacks or whatever it might yeah, be. Yeah, if there's wolves and that, yeah. Then, um, yeah, and, and then there's, you know, it could be wolf attacks anyway, then, uh, yeah, you want to go out with some sort of weapon, especially if you're going carrying a load of animals or anything. Carrying or herding a load of animals around. No, you carry them, don't you? That's how you herd. You yeah. Pick each cow. Pick each cow up individually, it. move it to the next bit of grass. Yeah. yeah. Over to the cud and then back <laughs> into the, the stable. Yeah. So that's why it's so, so <laughs> intensive. That's why cowboys are so tough. Yeah. So, you know, despite all the chili they eat, they're so stringy. Um, so the official hunters didn't have a lot of success, though. So. Uh, the Denevals, a father-son hunter duo from Normandy, talking to Normandy, mm-hmm. announced they would travel down to eliminate the beast. I mean, you know, big big claims there. Yeah, like, who are these guys? Hey, with father and son hunting duo. Well, they checked like this out. Gunslingers. John Charles, the father, boasted he'd already killed 1,200 wolves. Did he? Yeah. Well, according to him, his own stats. Relevant information, assuming the predator was, in fact, a wolf, but no one was sure of that. Nope. Much bigger than a wolf, wrote Lafont in an early report, it has a snout somewhat like a calves and very long hair, which would seem to indicate a hyena. The mm. UML described the animal as even more fantastical. In his words, it had a breast as wide as a horse, a body as long as a leopard's, and fur that was as red as a black, was red with a black stripe. He concluded, mm. you will undoubtedly think, like I do, that this is a monster, a hybrid, the father of which is a lion. What its mother was remains to be seen. Mm. So, you know, liger. Liger. Could be. They're not red, though. No. Well, but that could have just be stained with the blood of all the villagers, couldn't it, exactly, really? Yeah. If you kill him one every three days. So other witnesses claim the beast had supernatural abilities. Oh, it could go. walk on its hind feet 
and its hide could repel bullets and it had fire in its eyes <laughs> and it came back from the dead more than once and had an amazing limit leaping ability, Smith says. And, and. Yeah. <laughs> Indeed. Magic carpet. He'd been there. Yeah, the skin can turn to metal. Yeah. It can fire ice out of its eyes, <laughs> turn into stone. Yeah. It's lighter yeah. than air. It has, it has it power. It amazing distances. It can create portals. Yeah. It can fly from London to New York in under an hour. It's really good at budgeting. Yeah. Yeah. Solve the carbon crisis, climate crisis. Um, yeah, all, all, seems all super. Should have made friends with it. Supernatural might be useful. Supernatural stuff tends not to be too friendly, though, doesn't it? It's hell powered again, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. That's the, that's the it's Cerberus. We're talking but Cerberus. Look, it's, it's an energy we're going to have to start using, as I keep saying, Chris. Oh, well, you do. You do. Yeah. You yeah. Do, to, it's falling on deaf ears, unfortunately. Sadly. You're slightly un, unhinged. Oh, there's two more fracking. No. I mean, it's found, it's, it's, it's found an audience in the QAnon movement. It probably has, I would imagine. The, the way to deal with uh, carbon, uh, the, the problem is to use... Not that they believe that that's actually a climate crisis, I would imagine. It is to use um, Hellspawn as a new power source. Yeah, I mean, this, is there anything that's too radical for... Is there anything they the can't do? Yeah, that's true. No, no, there isn't. Um, it's all mad, isn't it? And Trump's doing really well now. He's now that he's been arrested, that means he's doing even better. Right? Yeah, well, yeah. I think it's I think literally it's a cult. It's a cult, but it's, oh, it has been for yeah. I know, but I mean, like, prop. Like, it's uh, fucking hell. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Like, I, sadly, I wouldn't be surprised if he won. No, it wouldn't. You know, I I don't think he will, but it wouldn't surprise me. I sort of don't think you want to be putting octogenarians up as your. I think, you know, I don't know. I don't think people in their 80s maybe should be settling down. I don't, I don't, so I, I think... To think, an extent, that's fair enough. Well, I don't know, it's possibly being... I sort of think, but... well, a little bit, but you do, you have to admit that you do slow down as you get older. Yeah. And I think that probably there should be something written, and maybe it could be an amendment in the Constitution that you can't, Run for prime minister, prime minister can't run for yeah, pres president. president if during your term you will go over the average life expectancy of someone in your country. Yeah, because it's risky, isn't it? This is Maybe. true. Maybe they're not yeah. just suggesting it. I'm not none of my business. I'm not American. Yeah, yeah, no. I don't. Despite my wonderful Amer range of American accents, this is true. So, yeah, so the Hunters are failing. Um, the Denavals gave up, so they were useful. They came in, he bragged about how many wolves he's killed, and then they fucked all. Really? Just that's um, it? Yeah, so that's it. He should have kept him. He shouldn't have even named him. him. The king sent his own gun bearer and bodyguard. Yeah, I'm not sure why he's in the story. He just, he just turns up, brags, and then fucks up again. Um, there you go. Apparently, it's important, important to something at the Smithsonian Magazine. But the, anyway, the gun sends his own um, gun bearer and bodyguard, Francois Antoine. Oh. Is he not getting bodyguarded at this point? I wonder. It's probably got more than one, son. hasn't he? Now I'm going to I'm going to yeah. guess. I'm going to guess you're right. Along with his son, a detachment of men, he traipsed around the forested countryside in, in search of the beast. At last, in September 1765, he shot and killed a large wolf. Mm. Body sent to the court at Versailles, received a reward from Louis the Fifteenth, and accepted the villagers' gratitude. Okay. So he thinks he's killed it now. But two brief months later, the attacks recommenced. Oh dear. So for another 18 months, something else was continuing to stalk the villages of Givadam with a reported 30 to 35 fatalities in that period. The king, believing the beast had already been slain, offered little aid. Yeah, whatever. No, it's, it's already convenient now, isn't it? It's, it's, it's already been done. Oh, take everyone's mind off the seven years' war. I tied this well. one up with a nice bow two months no, ago. What sent, do you mean? Sent the line out. We, we got them. No, that's... It was all done. So with no assistance coming from outside the region, the locals took matters into their own hands, which is probably what they should have done at the beginning. <laughs> yeah. So because the previous hunters were unfamiliar with the landscape, they had trouble communicating with the locals as well. Yeah, yeah I can imagine that's the north-south divide thing. Yeah. Uh, these bizons from... Well, they probably had, like, regional dialects and stuff as well back then, didn't they, more so? Yeah, and I think it's probably... 
say it was a local farmer, Jean Chastel, who'd been involved in a previous hunt, but he was thrown in prison by Antoine for leading his men into a bog. That's a bit harsh. But what leading his men into a bog? Yeah. So they got, like, trapped in a bog. Well, I don't know. I mean, they were drowned or something, but uh, no. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, his past crimes turned into bygones when he managed at last to bring the creature down with a bullet on June. I don't know if that's referring back to the... Um, when he did it before. Um, but anyway, what was the beast? So the end of the savagery did little to... Oh, OK, so this is, sounds like the local farmer. Yeah, he came... He, he, he redeemed, a, redemption he story. as well, yeah. You know, local lab makes good. Yeah. I'd love to see it. You know, he's one of our own. So that seems to have been the sort of end of the, the attacks, but it did little to answer the burning well, what question. what was it that he brought down? Well, this is the thing, is because they, they say this, his past crimes tend to buy games when he managed at last to bring the creature down with a bullet. Yeah. Um, what, what was it? Was it says, another wolf? But then what was the beast? Well, I don't know. Have a look at the corpse. If he's, if he's shot. Nah, if, I lost it in the bog, sorry. Yeah. But I did take it out. I'm not, not really good at navigating. <laughs> So anyway, it's been, but anyway, no, nobody actually knows. It's been updated ever since. Historians and scientists have suggested it was an escaped lion, mm. a prehistoric holdover, or nope. even that Chastel himself trained an animal to attack people and deflect attention from other crimes. Who was Chastel again? He's the guy who shot shot them. He's shot the farmer, the, end, the local farmer who, who shot it. Yeah. Uh, but, the bodies in, in, well, the fact that it had been going on for. Yeah, I think it's like highly unlikely. Two that years one, beforehand, do you know what I mean? That's just someone who's being overly cynical, isn't it? Yeah. yeah I, I reckon you've made it all up. False flag. Yeah. False, false flag. False yeah. flag. Least that, attack. That, yeah, that was a, I don't uh, think there are any victims. Al- so Al- look at this lady's gnawed upon skull. No, she's still alive. It was Alex, the, Alex, the Alex Jones of the day. Yeah. <laughs> Alex Jones of 18th century France. There's a terrifying prospect. Oh, we should write a book about that. Oh, that'd be it'd be Count Richelieu, wouldn't it? Could be. Mm. Yeah. Um Count Richelieu, Alex Jones of his day. That's like something you'd read, isn't it? <laughs> sounds, sounds all right. Giving things false equivalency, but I don't know. Possibly not. You don't know, do you? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm not. I'm not. So when I when I was saying that, I didn't mean that they looked exactly the same. No, I meant I meant sort of propaganda, false flaggy stuff. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know. Did Count Richelieu exist outside of Dog Tanyon? I don't know. <laughs> I was a real. Yeah, he's a real person. I don't know. I don't know much. I don't really know too much about him. I just know from the three musketeers slash hounds. Pretty sure it was a real person. I'm embarrassed myself now when I find out it was a Dumas. It was a a cartoon cartoon fox. It was Cardinal Richelieu. He's the inventor of the table knife, apparently. Inventor of the table knife? No, this must have been an earlier one. We're just using spades before that. Well, no, I mean table knife as in a rounded. You would have, you could have used a, a knife like a butter knife. Cutting. Yeah, exactly. Um, no, I think this is an earlier cardinal Richelieu. I mean, does that did, uh, did the butter knife need inventing? Anyway, don't matter. Uh, I think you may just be a fiction. The one that, that, that we're all familiar. I with. I think it's just a fiction, a... fictional character. Yeah. So, no, no, in a second. Armand Jean de Plessis, better known as Cardinal Richelieu. Oh, no, he's, he's a French clergyman, noble statesman. Oh, whatever, who cares? I can't, I can't actually remember which period the Three Musketeers is set in. I didn't think it was 16th century, but I could be, could be wrong. Um, probably would be around that time, I guess. Anyway, whatever. Back to the story. So the best and most likely expectation is Givadan had a serious wolf infestation, Smith says. In other words, mm. there may not have been one single beast, but many large wolves attacking the isolated communities. Yeah, well, they would have learned off each other as well. That it was easy pickings, yeah. wouldn't they? Yeah, no, exactly, because they were hunting sort of the ones that, you know, and that, that probably explains as well why some were sort of successful and some were sort of fought off by kids and things. So, um, yeah, it's, you know, and they're going for, they're obviously going for solitary kind of like... But, I mean, that's... Um, prey. I mean, that's a lot, isn't it? Like 300 people in three years... I, Sort of can't go over that it, number. It, it is really interesting, but here's here's another one that's 
And why were they gnawing the heads off and not eating the delicious uh, mussels, which is the good meat? Which is what you're going to want to go for, yeah. I don't know, maybe they got scared off midway through or whatever when they were trying to maybe try to kill them. Mm. I mean, I don't know, Chris, I'm speculating here. Nobody really knows. And this is is why it's quite a compelling story. Um, So wolf attacks occurred throughout France throughout this period. Morisot estimates that wolf attacks caused as many as 9,000 fatalities across the country between the end of the 16th century and the beginning of the 19th. So that would be 300 years, about 30, uh, about 30 a year. Yeah, so even then, it's, it's, this is a disproportionate amount of deaths. Yeah. So you're getting and, a lot of people dying from wolf attacks. but Well, that's why we hunted them to extinction in the UK, because yeah. we didn't want them no, none of that attacking sense. people anymore. Yeah, what made the attacks in Giverdan memorable, even to today, were their violence and higher-than-average fatalities, as well as their precious ability to turn them into a riveting national story. Even 250 years since the Beast of Giverdan last stalked the forests and fields of southern France, its fairy tale like legacy looms large. It does. So that is, that's from the Smithsonian. That's, yeah, I think that's quite... I, I actually had heard of this one. Rarely for me, this is one I'd heard of before, although maybe not in... That from in, your time in France? No, um, is that from your time in the um, Foreign Legion? Yes. Yeah. We don't talk about my time in the Foreign Legion, Chris. You and Phil Silvers. The Legionnaire never mentions his his times. Um, No, Follow that camel. No, there was a film called uh, Christoph Gans, uh, The Pact of Loops, like The Brotherhood of the Wolf. Okay, yeah. Um, It became quite big. It's a French movie, I think, and it's all based on this. But hilariously, he's he's got like um Are they werewolves instead? No, it's um well there's a load of kind of like rural type villagers, and then there's mm. um yeah, I think it ends up being Vincent Cassell actually had trained like um some wolf beast hybrid to do its bidding or some some nonsense. Yeah. Um but it's also he brings with him an Iroquois um okay. who can do martial arts. Nice. And he's just, like, kicking people's asses with a quarter staff and stuff. It's actually a pretty wicked movie. It's I thoroughly recommend it. It's very stylized. Kicking, kicking the shit out of some ignorant villagers. Well, this is exactly what happens at the start. Like, they're chasing down, like, this um, some woman, and they're going to give her a beating because they think she's a witch or something. And yeah. it's all raining and then muddy in a field. And then he sort of, like, just gets out. And then he's, you know, he's like, oh, what are you going to do? And, he's, and then he just kicks the shit out of them. It's pretty nice. This quarter staff. It, it's, a, it's a fun time. So Brotherhood of Wolf, <laughs> if you want to... Fancy watching that. It has its own speculation about it. But yeah, you've got, um, I can't remember who the other actors are. Is it subtitled? It is subtitled, yeah. So what about for someone like me who can't I'm sure read? You can get a UK, I'm sure you can get an English dub. If you, okay, uh, yeah, if you can't read. yeah. I wouldn't recommend that I would go with the, uh, I would go with the, the subtitle version if, if you were talking. But, um, but I can't. So. Yeah, but, it's, but anyway, yeah, so that, that's how I've heard of this before. Um, okay. Obviously, it's probably not as big outside France, but I think that would have no. the rise of the myth for yeah people who like aughts action movies that have got a bit of a bit of something going on. This is a little bit of flavour, um, but yeah, I, there wasn't unfortunately any uh, martial art high kicking Iroquois in in the in the real story. But uh, no, yeah. which you know takes some points shame, off for that. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I think it's quite a you know it's a nice little story, and it's yeah. what's interesting about this one. I mean, it's, it's one that sort of resonated. The fact that you know you had this spate over three years, it was you know there were really horrific injuries and things. And as you say, what when they just sort of like eating the arms and legs or whatever, where you think you or, you know where you think you get the, the meat from? So the weird violence, very high fatality numbers. Well, there's a lot um, of people in that village as well. Yeah, if you can lose three hundred. Yeah, no, there must have been. I mean, it was around the whole. It was, I think it was in that whole region, wasn't it? I mean, it's totally oh, okay. was like you know, um, un, unrelated uh, wolf attacks, whatever. But why so? Why so many over such a short period? And and why did they then stop? Um, so yeah, of course. It's like of... in um, it's like in India when like because they got tigers, but when a tight like. A, they, you know, it's a very specific thing when it becomes a man-eating tiger. When it gets a yeah, taste yeah. for human, yeah, then it's like right. Well, we got, yeah, yeah. we got to hunt it down at that point. It's um, yeah. Once they realise how easy we are to eat, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and delicious, I'll have a bit more of that. Yeah, then, then yeah. Mm-hmm. Rather than yeah, once they lose their fear of human, yeah, yeah. Oh, all right. Well, should we go through a scoring system? Yes. Lovely. Okay. Well, spookiness, Neil. 
Yeah, I mean, it's not like overly supernatural, spooky type thing, is it? But I mean, the, the chunking great wolf creature biting your skull off—that's that's pretty spooky. Um, yeah, I mean, it's not sort of like you know chivers down the spine kind of thing, but it's um, yeah. I mean, being a ta- you're out and you're out in a sort of village, living in a village in those kind of times, I think you'd be you know you've got to you've got to earn your living, shepherd in your sheep or whatever. Yeah, you make sure you take your bikes out. But yeah, you, I think you're pretty pretty scared you know it's, it's like national news and it's kind of like you know a bit of true crime thriller for the for the urban masses in i and all the mm-hmm. rest of it so yeah I, I think it's quite chilling i'm gonna give it a seven seven so yeah i think um yeah i think it is it's spooky not like you say not in a paranormal way but um you're pretty vulnerable aren't you, like, to wolf attacks, that kind of thing, especially a pack of wolves. Like, one wolf, you might have a chance, but if there's more than one. And um, and it's going for the, the more vulnerable, so um, children of that kind of thing. Uh, yeah, I mean, it would, like, if you were, if you were living in the countryside at the time, like, it, w- it would have been constantly, you'd have to be constantly vigilant, wouldn't you? And do you know what humans are like? They're not. They're sort of titting about. And then you know that's when you drop your guards and exactly. uh, get your get your head gnawed off. So, um, yeah, I think it, I think to, if you put yourself in that place, it's pretty spooky. So I'm going to give it or well, spooky, but it's scary. So yeah. I'm, I'm going to yeah. give it an eight. Um, believability. Well, yeah, I mean it happens. It's yeah. reported, and it looks like it was one or many wolves so there's nothing here not to believe so it's a 10. well that's interesting because the way i was kind of going attack on this is kind of like is it really a beast or is it just wolves or things like that so but yeah i'll take your point i mean the thing is yeah the attacks did happen there was something out there already yeah there's you know tazarans or the hyena or whatever but yeah i'm going to make it a nine but yeah i think you're right you know it, it's definitely these attacks did happen there was something and you know not everyone's claiming it wasn't a wolf or what have you it just has become urban legend because of the ferocity of the attack. So, yeah, yeah. nine for me. So, narrative premise, Neil. Um, yeah, well, again, they made a film out of it, although they did have to throw in some martial arts, in fairness. Yeah, uh, you know, every think, film I, needs that. Yeah, that's true. It should do, she'll do it as a matter of course, anyway. Biography of Churchill. Yeah, getting some, some kung fu. Um, Would like Churchill, the Hollywood years. Yes. Yeah, it's quite... The, that's, that's a very right. small cameo from Reason Mortimer. Reason Mortimer in it, yeah. Yeah, that's an all right. Uh, so I'll give it a give it a pass. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's quite funny actually. Um, well, it's yeah, it's watchable. Um, not, not all that. Uh, no, uh, well, I've got time for Christian Slater as well. Yeah, to be fair. Yeah, that no, was it was fine. Um, what was what was that? What was on? Um, narrative premise. Narrative premise. Sorry. Uh, yeah, I, I think there's... Um, yeah, I think there's quite a lot of stuff that converges on here, which is quite nice. This, this, the beginnings of the press in France is starting to lean into sort of some of the sensationalised sensationalized stuff. You know, you've got the, the royal court who are starting to notice all of these things until they get bored because I think they've already sorted it out. Um, yeah, I think it's quite a rich narrative that you can Well, already it's on this. I think, you know, um, yeah, I think it's quite... I'm going to give it an eight. Yeah, I think it's good as well. And um, it sounds like it was within France at least, but possibly wider, like a very uh, like a very early sort of true crime thing. Mm. Um, so it's probably quite quite an important story. And you know, I mean, even if you if you took that out of it, then it's still kind of villagers and something in the from the woods is killing them off and stuff so i mean it's quite and it's an early again it's an early thing of that i mean that's kind of a bit of a hollywood trope now but yeah this, you wonder but this is all being werewolves and stuff like that i don't know didn't mention it but yeah so um yeah i agree i think it's good so i'm going to give it an eight as well um so reach um so for me, this is where it falls down a bit. Uh, I've not heard of it. I don't know how big it is outside of France. You said there's a film about it, but again, yeah, it's a, it French, a French film. film. Although it became successful internationally, but yeah. Well, uh, you know, as successful as, as anything the director with titles got to ever do a does. Silent Hill movie eventually, which <laughs> bombed terribly because it was awful. But yeah. Um, so I don't think its reach is very big. 
I don't know how much it would be known in France, but I mean it's an it's an old one, and you know it's well, <laughs> it's it's well documented and it survives. So I'm going to give it a four for each now. Yeah, probably fair enough. I would say. I mean, I would say I. It, it's because it's one of the rare ones I've heard of, which always makes me think the reach is probably bigger than it is. But I think you're right. I think it's probably one that's more known, well known in France. Well, this is the Smithsonian Magazine writing about it, although they're probably more interested in the kind of like, you know, the historical aspects and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, I don't know how well it's known outside of you know people have seen the movie or what have you yeah, outside of France. But yeah, it's a reasonable. One, so I'm going to give it a five. That gets an overall score of fifty nine, which is a oh, very wow. nice high nice. score. <laughs> Um, cool. Well, yeah, that was a good one. Um, the fact that it's real and yes, um, it's always nice. I'm, uh, yeah, I'm glad that was interesting. I'm glad I've learned about it. Um, cool. Um, yeah, if you if you want to get in contact, you know, usual uh, uh, legends at gmail.com. Um, I'd say you can follow us on our Twitter or X or whatever you want to call it, but uh, I've still not really got around to doing much on that. Um, but it is Legends of Urbane. Um, well, it's turned days. into a, an aubergine symbol or a penis or something <laughs> with the next iteration of Musk's strategic and just, brand vision. And it's, just, and it's just called Bad Lads. It's just called Musk is, Musk is Lord. <laughs> hey, did you send any Musk is Lords today? Um, I can pay for my Musk is Lord account. I'm a Musk is Lord, though. <laughs> hey, this Musk is Lord certainly allows me to Musk is Lord. Um, yeah well that's it for this week and I hope you have a nice week whatever you're doing and enjoying the end of another summer in the Northern Hemisphere and uh, we will see you again next week goodbye goodbye goodbye